Yeah, we'll try not to go over the two hours. <laughs> had in my heart to share something that the Lord gave me a vision of when I first got saved more than 20 years ago. And recently, when Karen was speaking about living in the glory, the Lord took me back to that particular vision. And I just felt, you know what, I recognized something, that that was the time that we were in. Because all these years, sometimes when God shows you something, you try and place it in a setting. And, and you can most probably place it in, you know, the setting at the time, but it was something just didn't add up. So I'm going to talk about the glorious church. <laughs> and I know it's a vast subject, so by no means do I have the whole scoop on it. I'm going to share the portion that God spoke to me. So I'm going to start off in Ephesians Chapter 3. Okay, so where it said that for this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ. And then he carries on. Indeed, if you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God which was given to me for you, how by revelation he made known to me the mystery as I have briefly written already, by which when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. That the Gentiles, I'm just going to skip through some verses, so that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. So he was talking about the mystery that is Jesus Christ and the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then carried on to speak about, and to whom all see what is the fellowship of this mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. To the intent that now the manifestation, the wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and the powers in heavenly places. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Because of the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. I just want to go back a little uh, chapter as well. So that was the mystery of Christ Jesus and the purpose of the church in him. Um, Ephesians chapter 1 is also where he started praying. Where he said, Therefore I also have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, for your love for all the saints. I do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention you in all my prayers. Then we skip down to verse 18, where he says that the eyes of your understanding may be enlightened and that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. What caught my attention was this word, the hope of his calling. Who's calling? It was the calling of Jesus. I'm reading a book, both Bill and I have been reading this book, he's finished it, Apocalypse, from Anna Mendes. And I thought, but Lord, this is all, it's all about, you see, everything is about Jesus. Everything was created for him, by him, and through him. And we are a part of him. 
God has ordained it like that to put him in preeminence over everything, over all things. And we as the body, that's part of the plan, are actually one with our Lord through the spirit. The word says that we are one in spirit. The body and the head is lining up. It's going to walk in unity, in unison. It's going to walk as it should walk, not a spastic body, but a body that is aligned with the head. So what he said to me here was his calling. So I want to just read uh, the way she put it. I thought I'll just, because I thought, shall I just write some of it down? I thought, no, let me read. She puts it in such a great perspective. The Father had one single redeeming plan. And this is so important for us with all the chaos that's happening around us. It's so important for us to have discernment in this season. And I mean, we have been great at watching and seeing what the other side have been doing. Every time they do something, we sort of honor it. But it's just as important to actually have discernment and understanding and insight with what God is doing because he's not sitting doing nothing. He is just as busy, if not more. He's a step ahead of everything that they're plotting and scheming down here. He's ahead and what he's doing. So she said this like this, the father had one single redeeming plan with the son, the Messiah through whom he would restore all things to the original state in the garden of Eden. God created man to rule and to have dominion on the earth through fellowship with his creator. And this is what Jesus came to restore. His redeeming work will include, was concluded at the cross of Calvary, he clearly stated, it is finished. The kingdom of God was established when Jesus ascended to the heavens and sat at the right hand of the Father to reign together with his body, which is the church. And we see that here in Ephesians 1. I'm going to read from verse 21 to 23. Um, Far above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he placed all things under his feet, and he gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills all in all. So everything is being filled with Jesus, his presence, his spirit. Everything in the heavens, on the earth, there is, he is filling everything. He's just over everything. There is nothing that is not under his authority or rulership. There's nothing that's been created that he is not over. Whether they realize it or not, that's what we said previously. Our governments have already been placed under his feet. Whether they understand it or whether they realize it, they already basically submitted under that authority. And that is something that we will see manifest. Now it also says, To him that overcometh, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, even as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. So we know that we have to be a people that overcome. We are in a season that there's a lot of challenges, there's a lot of pressure, there's a lot of force and things that people are trying to place upon us. And we are to resist in a sense and to say no, because we have to overcome, because we have to walk the high road, we have to go the way of God, and narrow is that way, we cannot go with the mass, we have to go with what God has been speaking to each and every one of us. And most of us in this room, if not all, have had a conviction of the Lord not to submit 
or to take or receive something that they are giving at the moment. This plan of redemption is announced throughout the entire history in the Old Testament. This was to bring a new phase, a new century, a new era of God where his designs were to be established. The Messiah would bring about the glory that Adam once lost and it would manifest in the sons and the daughters of Almighty God. This is news of great joy. God was to change the government over all the earth. The coming of the Messiah would neither be a partial victory nor one of phases. It was to be a radical, culminating, extremely powerful victory. It would crush the head of the devil forever. It would snatch away the keys of death and hell. And it would see Jesus as King of Kings over all the earth forever and ever. And that is where he is seated. At the right hand of the Father in heavenly places. He's not seated anywhere else. He's seated there. He came in the flesh to overcome death, sin, and sickness, and to change the era of the deep darkness into era of light. He came to substitute that which was only a type and a shadow for what is true. He came to bring a new covenant and a new government that would change the heavens and the earth completely. So that is his calling. In that one verse, she had two pages in a chapter, and that was not all of it. Just speaking of his calling. And what are the riches of the glory of in his inheritance for us as the saints? I mean, that is just absolutely mind-blogging. And we are the body, and he is the head. I'm just going to skip through to chapter 5. We're speaking about the bride. I'm recapturing that just to give you a the recapture, the calling of Jesus Christ, the place of the church in him, our inheritance, what he paid the price for, that we could be seated with him in heavenly places far above all these things. We do have to cultivate that mindset. We have to, in a sense, in this season, you know, when God brings revelation and he brings illumination, we have to, in a sense, sanctify to that. We have to bolt that into our spirit, man, that cannot remain knowledge. It has to become a living word. It has to be something that activates in our spirit man that we start living from the inside out. Because that's how the kingdom manifests. It's inside out. And God wants to demonstrate his kingdom through his church, his ecclesia. So we need to demonstrate the kingdom from the inside out. Everything we need is on the inside of us. And it is for us to understand how to get it from the inside out. So when he spoke about marriage, um, he's going to uh, chapter 5 in the book of Ephesians. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be subject to their own husbands in everything. Husbands love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That was just a, a picture of the wife's respect and submission to the husband Amen. and the husband's love for the wife. Amen. Amen. <laughs> okay, so it's just one of those things. Unfortunately, there's been a lot of hurt and harm caused with that particular scripture in the body as well that has been pulled out of context. In verse 26, he says, Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. He laid his life down for her. 
that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she should be holy and without blemish. What the image of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. I was in a prayer meeting in the late 90s. I was shortly saved and I was going through a divorce where my marriage just failed. I wasn't married very long. I think in total it might have been 15 months, maybe two years uh, before it was completely separated. So I came at a very abusive situation, a turbulent situation. I had extreme financial pressure at the time and I'm in this prayer meeting and the next thing the Lord opened up a vision and I saw the impression of a woman lying down on the ground. And I was captured and I kept looking at this woman and she was lying down and I could see she had a gown on. And then I saw her trying to get up. When you lie down, trying to get up like that. But I saw she was struggling. It's like she was restrained. It's like she couldn't get up. But then I saw her shaking. She started shaking from the left to the right. And she started rising. And as she started rising and she got to the point where she was standing fully before me, I could see her clearly. And she was radiant. There was not a spot. There was not a blemish. There was not a mark on her. Her dress was absolutely beautiful she was the most beautiful bride that i have ever seen she was literally radiating glory and presence and she was absolutely marvelous and i looked at her and i thought wow is this the church you know and as a young christian you're sort of in awe oh god this is your church this is your church so for a long time after that you would look at the church and that was the image that god showed me of the bride but recently when Karen was speaking on living in the glory, the Lord said to me, that restraining, what was restraining the church? Because I couldn't see, I was, you know, for a time I thought maybe, was there chains, was there ropes, was there something on her that was keeping her down? I couldn't see any marks. And that's the portion that he brought to my attention. She was restrained and I knew it was this time. The time we are in, the one thing that the church has been in this season has been restrained. We have been muzzled. We have been basically kept in a position that through legislation that we didn't really know how we should move. Should we move? Should we not move? What would she do? But I saw she started rising and she started shaking. So I believe the restraints and the restrictions that governments have been trying to put upon the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, I believe those things are beginning to fall and to break and to be loosed. From his bride she's going to be loosed from those things she's not under that authority she's under his authority so from staring and looking at her I saw myself and the next thing I went into the bride and I became part of the bride so I knew I was looking at something so that transition I believe this is where we are at as the church that transition where it's not just something that we behold it's something we are becoming we are becoming the bride of Christ. And what I saw when I was inside the bride was something else. My whole mindset, my perception of things changed. When I looked at people, when I looked at situations, I knew what Adam was experiencing in the garden. Adam was operating in two spheres, in the earth and in heaven. It was like he was operating in a natural world and he was operating in a spiritual world, in a spiritual world. And in a sense, 
The bride was doing that. She was operating in a natural world, but she was operating in a spiritual dimension that, was, that we have not walked in before. The way she ministered to people, the love, the amazing love of God the Father, that love that was welling up, I mean, it was just like a light. It was like a plaster drawing people. You could just hang in that love yourself and not go anywhere. But there was a period that I saw as she started moving. For her heart was for the people. Her heart was for nations. And so she started moving. And I saw, I had this intense desire that I needed to be amongst the people out there. And I believe that God is getting the church to a place in this season where she is being getting ready in a sense, and although she's hidden at the moment and doesn't look like the church is doing much, I believe that is going to change and there's a transition coming and I believe you're going to very much see she is about her father's business and I believe we're going to see what he showed me in that vision, that she is going to be out there amongst the people, she's going to be out there in the nations and I believe lives are being touched and lives are going to be changed and literally things that were meant for harm she's going to turn around that body is going to minister in an unprecedented way ways that we've heard of previous history and books that we have read that is something he showed me in the late 90s so all these years and even with the state of where the church is at that image and he brought it back to me so clearly about two three weeks back and he said no this is the season this is the time that is the restriction the restraint that you saw and that shaking god is shaking what is shaking the church god is shaking the church she is going to come forth as a glorious bride you know when i was here previously and i ministered i read from 2 corinthians um, 11 where it says that uh, let me just go there and we'll just read this bit and then we'll carry in just a few things. This is where I believe the Lord by his spirit. You know, in the book of Acts, they were waiting. Jesus said to go wait for the Holy Spirit. So they gathered in the upper room. We don't know how for what the many days were. We don't know exactly how many days there was. But they were waiting there. And I believe in a sense throughout this lockdown period and what God has been doing in our lives. In a sense, we are like a Mary sitting at his feet waiting, ministering to him. And I believe through that ministry and that waiting on him, he has been quickening and he's been changing and he's been molding, he's been reshaping, he's been working on his wineskin because he's about to fill it. When he fills it with himself, that radiance that came upon her, that radiance will emanate from his church. But it comes from spending time in his presence. It comes from beholding him. You know what you look at, you can become. What you behold, you become. If we behold the glory of the Lord, that glory will begin to manifest in us and through us and upon us. That's my understanding of it. So in Corinthians, <laughs> I keep on wanting to go on a rabbit trail, but I keep pulling it back. <laughs> Because otherwise, we don't know where we end up. <laughs> okay, so Corinthians, it was 11. I just read this. And this is just part of the betrothal. He said, I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy, for I betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. You know, I love it when God gets possessive about his children. You know, it's like you are mine. I'm not going to share you. I love it. I love that. <laughs> In Isaiah chapter 2, verse 19, um, he said it like this, I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me. In righteousness and justice, in loving kindness and in mercy, I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. 
You know, the bride speaks of a place of intimacy. She's a warrior, yes. <laughs> She's many things, but a bride speaks of intimacy. And the remnant church that's coming forth, we know she will be a house of prayer for all nations. Because the Lord said, my church shall be a house of prayer for all nations. But we also know the glorious bride is a bride that will, be, that will know the Lord intimately in that sense. Because of the time that she spends with him in his presence. So where I was wanting to go from here is Isaiah 52. Because after that version of the vision, I said to the Lord, I like to always have things with scripture to back it up. So he took me to Isaiah 52, and I think most of us know that. Awake! Awake! <laughs> How many of us have, wake, have been spraying that over the body of Christ all these years? Awake! Awake, Lord! Awake your church! Awake your bride! Let her rise! Let her rise! So first one is where he took me to, and I wrote that down as well. Awake! Awake! Put on your strength, O Zion! Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city, for the uncircumcised and the unclean shall no longer come to you. Shake yourself off from the dust and arise. Sit down, O Jerusalem. And that sit down is what you brought out, Bill. You know, king, sit. If you're in a place of authority and you sit on your throne, you sit from it, you, you declare and decree, you are seated because that's your place of authority. So sit down. So the church ought to sit down in her place of authority. Loose yourself from the bonds around your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. So yeah, that restrictions and that which is held of captive that we couldn't move, that is he saying, shake it off you, shake it off you. So we're shaking it off. And we are rising. And then verse 7, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. And this is the message that she will be going in. <laughs> your God reigns and she will have good news. She will have absolutely good news. And then verse 12, for you shall not go out with haste nor go by flight, for the Lord will go before you and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. So the church will be going by the leading of the Spirit and by the protection of the Spirit in this time. So we can be bold in what God has called us to and who He called us to be. I just wanted to share this one thing. Um, through one of the prayer times in lockdown, just as they were waiting in the upper room, that awakening, I believe that quickening, that reigniting, that sort of, how do we put it, to get to that point, I believe just as they waited in the upper room and the Holy Spirit came and tongues of fire, you know, sat on their heads, I believe God is going to revive and refresh and ignite His bride and His church. Whether it's corporately, whether it's in your prayer room, in your prayer closet, I don't know. Does it matter? As long as he does. So this is what he said to me in Jeremiah 1, 9 to 12. Especially verse 12. We'll go with one. I'll just read that 
portion. I felt the Lord speaking to his body in this season. This was a word that the Lord gave me. The Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my word in your mouth. See, I have set this day, I have set you over the nation and over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out, to pull up and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. And this is what we have been doing through our declarations as the ecclesia. We have been pulling things up. We have been pulling things down throughout this, this time. And in verse 12, he said, What do you see, Jeremiah? And he said, I see <laughs> the branch of an almond tree. And then the Lord said to me, You have seen well, for I am ready and I'm watching to perform my word. How awesome is that? In the time that we've been declaring and decreeing his scriptures, where we have used his very word to build a framework in the spirit. He has said, now watch me, I'm getting ready to now do my word. And that's what we're getting ready for. So just that almond thing, the broad took my attention to the almond tree. So he took me on a whole thing. The almond tree was blooming in a time when it was out of season to bloom. So it was blooming in winter time and it's supposed to bloom in springtime. So that in itself shows, you know, God can bring forth fruit in a season that shouldn't be a fruitful season. So uh, it says, so the branch of an almond tree in Hebrew, the almond is also known as shahid, meaning to wake or to watch. It's a symbol of a new beginnings and God's watchfulness. In verse 11 and 12, God uses the symbol of the almond tree to suggest watching to see if Israel will follow his word. Will we, the church, in this season follow the word of God? And Jeremiah 31, 28, he said, For I will watch over them to build and to plant, says the Lord. The almond is sometimes known as the tree of life, and it is shaped like the menorah or a candle holder, which is used for Hanukkah, a Jewish festival. The almond in Aramaic is the word laz. The name translates as light. Therefore, the tree is a symbol of light. Jesus is the light, and in him there is no darkness. We, the body, is the light of this world. And under his watchful gaze, gaze, I declare over you this day that his light is increasing over us. The festival of Hakuna is Hanukkah, I think that's how you say it, is also called the Festival of Lights. And of the Festival of Dedication, as we are dwelling in our houses during this time of lockdown, that's when we were in lockdown, and surrender and rededicate our lives in a greater measure, the most important custom during this festival is the lighting of the menorah, a candelabra with eight candles plus the holder for the shamas, the servant candle, which is also known as the attendant. The ninth candle is used to light the other eight candles. So I felt the Lord spoke to me about that because he is about to light up his church. He's the attendant. He's the one watching. So as we position ourselves before him, He's going to ignite and alight something within us. And he's going to bring his bride out. And she is going to radiate his glory and his goodness to a people that are broken, that are wounded, that are des desperate. Desperate.
For Proverbs 12, 25 says, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. And what are we seeing at the moment in our communities and in our nation? The despair, the depth of anxiety that are crippling the people, crippling nations. God is wanting to restore the hope. You know, Zechariah says, return to your stronghold of hope. And we are to build strongholds of hope everywhere we go and everywhere we connect with people. Because without hope, how do we get to faith? Hope is that bridge to faith. And without faith, we know we cannot please him. So it's so important that we keep our hope strong and our hope you know, establish that we can get across that bridge to faith, to call things that be not as though they are, to walk in that sphere where we can see what he's at. Even if we see what they're doing this side as well, yeah, we can see you plotting and scheming again, but you know what, God, you've got a plan, you've got a purpose, you're about to do something extraordinary because you are preparing a bride, you have prepared a bride for Jesus. He's not coming back for a dilapidated church, a broken down church, he's coming back for a glorious church. And he's about to bring her out and bring her forth. And to show her off. We read that in Psalms 3. The manifold wisdom of God is the church through whom he's going to make known his wisdom to the principalities and the powers and the evil and wicked spirits in heavenly places. So yeah, his bride, his glorious bride. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. I want to do this. This is what I wanted to just share that. Have you ever opened up a book, you read a prophecy, and the next thing you think, wow. Wow, this is what God's been speaking to you all this time. So I'm going to just actually just speak it over and just speak it out as well. This is in our little booklet that Bill wrote. A prophetic word for the ecclesia of God in Britain. Oh, you will arise in darkness to be the great light to which all men will come. The glory of your God will shine in you and upon you, bathing all nations in its power and beauty. Those who oppose you will bow before you, saying, You are the true Zion of God. The forces of the nations, resources, wealth, and multitudes of people will come to you. Those who are barren will have sons and daughters too numerous to count. The smallest among you will become a great nation. You shall eat the riches of nations, and kings will seek your wisdom, and parched men in the desert will seek water. You will enter a wilderness and it will become like Eden by your very presence. You cut, you will cut the heads of kings and raise up the lowly to dwell in palaces. You will make edicts that will bless nations and bring peace and plenty to the people. The Lord your God will be the light you walk in and the mighty one of Jacob will be your shield and your reward. Men will traverse continents to sit at your feet. Arise and shine for your glory is now risen upon thee. Wow, in Jesus' name, amen. Wow. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you. Thank you. It just uh, dawned on me there when Isabel was speaking that there's something been bubbling away in my spirit for a while and what it is is that uh, it just came to me that you know the, the clarity of 
And because you say, well, why Glasgow for the COP26? And I think from the enemy's point of view, why Glasgow is because they, they need Scotland, they need Glasgow, they need, we've already looked at that. They need this place to cast the veil over all nations. You know, there's something about Scotland. They know that God's hand is in Scotland. They know God's purpose is in Scotland. So they want to hijack that as a counterfeit and, you know, cast their web, if you want, or veil or covering um, over all the nations. And that's, that's why I went up Shahalian, because, you know, uh, that's, that's the, the, the mount that, where the veil is, and the veiled one is the Kailiach, and so on. But, just dawned on me there, the Lord has set a trap because the Lord has brought them to Glasgow. For a very simple reason, we're here. And, you know, if, if you... I can't tell you what to do in your house because it's your house. So, I, 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 you know, you're not submitted to me in your house. But if you, if you come to my house... You have to submit to me. So the Lord's brought them to Glasgow and all the nations, every nation. And there's a sense in which they've had to submit themselves. So while they're here, the nations, if you like, and their representatives, their rulers, we have the authority and the power to dictate to them because they've, they've, they're submitted to our territory, if you like, submitted. Mm. That's, they, they came to Glasgow to rule, but the Lord has brought them here to be um, ruled over. Yeah. And not, not in an arrogant, you know, we're going to, you know, um, you know military way, but by decrees, mm. by taking authority. You know, as we were saying there, by being the bride, by being the, the army of God, by being all that God has called us to be, it's like they're in our territory right now. So we can impose the kingdom upon them because they're here. You know, um, it's, it's, it's an honor thing. It's a territory thing. It's a, it's a, you know, the kingdom means the domain of the king. Well, because we have declared Scotland to be the territory of King Jesus, They've come into the Lord's territory. They've come into the kingdom. And so that's why it's so important for us. And if there was ever a time to do decrees, it's now. We can do them at all times. We can do them before they came. We can do them after they come. But while they're here, does that make sense? They've submitted. They thought they were coming to impose, but they've actually, God has brought them here to be imposed upon. And that's very biblical, isn't it? You know, the battles where God lures the enemy into a territory, and then slaughter some. Well, I think that's what's happening right now. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you. Everyone. Amen.